Welcome to Type Talks. Today we have five INFPs. Erica, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? I'm Erica. Uh, my I'm an INFP, Anagram 9 Wing 8. Um, and uh, if you, uh, I'll stop this. Ginger, ginger with a soul. Mike. For sure. Ginger with a soul. Awesome. How about you, Mike? Uh, Mike, I uh, am well, very, I think, nearly textbook INFP and probably also textbook nine wing one. And uh, I've, I've just enjoyed getting, having uh, had the opportunity to know Joyce for multiple years now uh, online. And we've, I think we hit it off immediately and it's just stayed that way. So I'm, I'm glad to be here and, and meet all of you. Yeah, I love Mike's positivity and just his good and kind spirit. <laughs> so, Shreya, uh, how about you? <laughs> Where do I slice this? Uh, hello there. I'm Shreya Scribbles, namesake. So, um, let's see. I met, I met Joyce about a year ago, and it's been one long odyssey for me. And I'm, I'm, I go by the saying that I, I, I can't have a revolution where I don't dance in it. So, here I am. Awesome. That's great. How about you, Hillary? <laughs> okay, yeah. Hi, guys. I'm Hillary, um, and I have a YouTube channel called INFX TV. You guys should check it out. I talk about, like, MBTI and Enneagram and just anything about, like, life, psychology, philosophy. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Brand. Yeah, right? And I, I'm also an Enneagram 9, I think wing 8, but... Such a nine thing to be like, I don't know. You don't know regarding what? She's merging with other people right now. What? <laughs> oh, me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, you want to hear what I have to say? What? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> you, you said something running. Well, I don't know. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, because for Enneagram nines, they're one of their like core features is that they are like kind of oblivious to themselves and so the whole thing about nine is like oh i relate to this and this and this and this and this which oh, wow. really means like what really are you so the fact that i'm like i'm not sure what wing i have or like it's, it's just I, a I, very I, nine thing since it's oh, on, on top of the enneagram thing we can relate to all the types in a certain way i can relate to that <laughs> Yeah, I think INFPs in general could, regardless of if you're a nine. But I mean, you are, right? You said you're a nine, so. Uh, oh, four. Oh, yeah. oops, sorry. I got you my flipped. My bad. I, I, just, I just had an instinctual inclination that I, I was four because of how much it really matched up with my life story and how much the same, the same inclinations kept repeating everywhere I went. So I'm actually very instinctual regarding these things. I just knew I was an INFP. I knew I was a four-wing. Yeah, hmm. for sure. And RJ, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, so I'm RJ. I'm also, of course, INFP. Uh, I think I, I'm not super, what super, super well versed in Enneagram, but I think I'm four five wing, I would say. It, it seems to make sense. Um, I am an architect. I uh, Professionally, I'm, my profession is architecture, but uh, I, I devote a lot of my attention to art. I always have. Um, I have three kids, three boys that are the ages of uh, now, let's see, 14 and seven. So, 20. 
<laughs> fun age. Holy crap. <laughs> is it really a fun age? Or are you? Uh, <laughs> actually, it is. It is. Okay, just making sure. You have, I think I, I've, I've been watching you on Twitter. You have little kids, right, Erica? Yeah, I have five. Um, and four boys and a girl. <gasps> Uh, oh my god um, awesome yeah. i come from a family of five so oh, i should surprise where do you but, fall uh i'm from uh i live in utah salt lake city utah i uh, was born oh. in uh, southern california oh, cool. same where are you in the birth order i'm second okay yeah cool. very close second to my older brother who's an intj so you can sort of extrapolate relationship there uh we're kind of like irish twins uh a lot of competition between us um but anyway so as far as my kids go i actually they're funner now than they were when they were little i'd be honest um they can that's they're, cool they're fun to watch they're nerdy and fun so my my oldest is 10 i'm really looking forward to um more um more older kid things to do with them 10 10 is a really sweet age it's, they start to and then they get crappy again after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So um, it's got it's good to know everyone and where we're all standing. My question for all of you guys is what is your greatest gift? <laughs> Who wants to start off? <sighs> hmm. Okay, I'll start. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think like overall. My greatest gift is probably just being able to be a mirror for other people. That's the best way I could describe it. And I think like everybody, like we're all mirrors for everybody we encounter. Like even the smallest interactions with other people, I think like show us something about ourselves through that other person. But I think this is something that I like intentionally try to do. And a lot of like, my time spent with other people is like one-on-one -on -one or like deep conversations. And I think that's usually what like ends up happening is like they walk away with like a greater, deeper sense of who they are or what they want or how they feel about something or something like that. And I think that's like consistently something that I provide. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Do you guys relate or do you have other things that you would say? Um, it's a hard ass question. Yeah. I don't relate to mirroring people's emotions, but I relate to being a mirror. I like the way you said that. Whereas um, I can oftentimes feel it inside and then um, mm -hmm. kind of stay like who I like. I won't start like sobbing with another person usually, but oftentimes like I will hear what they're having to say and process it internally and then be able to express it back to them in a way that can help them understand themselves a little better. Yeah, that's so, a good explanation. I really like the way you said that about um, being a mirror. So that's Thanks. great. I like that. That was very precise. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I don't, I have such a hard time wanting to ring my own bell, but one thing that Do I- Do it, girl. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, empathy is something I'm very good at. Um, whereas like somebody can bring something to me and I can understand in a unique way how that might how that might be for them and want to and I have sometimes a I get really excited about causes and things like that and I can stand alone I don't need people to, I can stand alone with that cause I don't need a lot of um feedback from others in fact mm. like 
negative feedback can actually make me stand firmer in who I am. So I really like that about myself. Um, positive feedback um, is wonderful and I love it, but I, I find that I don't, ex I don't need it or expect it. If it happens, I'm yes. Thrilled. That's but awesome. But it doesn't, I can stand very, I can stand with my own two feet and raise my head high and go, I'm really proud of the thing I did, the thing I said. Um, yeah. So that's something I like about myself. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's awesome. And so on point for INFPs is that like they do their own validation internally. So when they're doing something, they're already like, I'm on board. And if you yeah. support me, like, I love you and thank you, but I'm not looking for it. Like the things I'm doing, I'm not looking for you or you to say something about what I'm doing. They're just, they're happy to do what they want to do. Yeah. I think that matches up with my experience as well. It's a little bit paradoxical because it's not like a, a overconfidence or a cockiness per se, because there's a lot of self-doubt, right? A lot of um, uh, even so low self-esteem in a certain way of describing it. But at the end of the day, you, you have no choice but to, be, to choose your own way of doing it. And so as long as you have that ability um, and, and people allow it from you, you're, you're cool to do it that way, right? Right. Mm. Um, we beat ourselves up a lot internally. So when we put ourselves out there in the world, finally, when we get there, we're used to it. <laughs> I'm like curious about that, though, of like the internal beating up. Like, do you guys feel like you struggle with self-confidence? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I had a conversation with, you know, I, uh, MBTI Insights, Dan. Hmm. Um, uh, we were just talking about this the other day. You know, he's he describes himself. I don't think I'm revealing too much. Someone has a very negative inner self voice. Um, I don't have a negative inner self voice. Like I don't consciously or you know vocalize my negativity towards myself, but I do feel negative a lot. You know, I do feel. Yeah. Shreya, you're like, oh hell yeah. I'm I'm very um uncomfortable. I'm very. Um, I'm too comfortable sometimes in negative spaces. I'm comfortable in negative spaces because I'm willing to go there for a long period of time. It, but, um, but so oftentimes there's a lot of self-doubt that happens, not self-doubt, but as, I have to, like, I think what it comes down to is, uh, and I don't, you'll have to tell me if you INFPs experience this as well, but I would take a very long time to, um, to, I, I, the FI is a tricky thing. Because um, I can either know exactly how I feel and stand really super firm in it, and I don't need any like feedback. And sometimes it can be um, impulsive and really like, I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me how to do this. I'm gonna do it. Um, yeah. Or the other, or the other, but the other paradoxical thing about it is, it's um, it takes me forever to make that decision of whether or not it's important to me. And so. Mm. Those are the two problems I usually have. <laughs> I think I made a point in my chat with Joyce that um, if something is not important to me, I will completely jettison it from my court. Those those <laughs> ideas will never be heard. Really? Yeah. Certain, yeah, I'm very, really? very, dis very discriminatory <laughs> regarding that. That seems very boorish to me. Yeah. Yeah. That is. That's a difference between I think, a 9 and a 4, I think. Yes, I think even as a child, I was a lot more directive directiveness is why i thought i was a, i was i was an infj in the first place because of all the stereotypes i read on the internet and, and the faulty um descriptions um i i always seek to distance myself from the crowd i always seek to distance myself from um yeah. 
similarities. I, I, if somebody had something similar, I want something else. I, I, <laughs> Very boorish. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, I, 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 I would, all INFPs just knew what they wanted. And, like knew how they felt about something instantly. If it was important to them or not. It's important. But I guess that's not totally true then. Yeah, I don't I don't relate to that. I don't relate to always knowing what's important. I feel um, like I have to really work to figure that out. And I also don't relate to like just to like talk stereotypes, I guess. Like um to the like fighting for a cause. Like I feel like I've never like been interested in like nonprofit work or anything or it's I don't know. That cause is for I, you. I, I it's not like too. you are a crusader. It's that what your personal cause mm. is. For me, it has to be very authentic. I don't just want to donate. I don't just want to be part of an organization. I want to be able to keep my individuality, but also make something very really organic, yes. something meaningful. Because I will, I will often, I'll often engage in that sort of um, feeling tingliness. Because um, I, I will often beat myself up. Why did I make you know me like that? What? Ooh. I guess that's more of an SP thing. Yeah. Do you okay. mean like self-preservation? Yeah. Okay. Self -preservation. Yeah, I want to make sure. Like the, yeah. I'm an uh, SX dom, so I have a Me too. Bit okay. SP dom. Ah, we're so similar with our types. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I actually, uh, the, there's an interesting nine versus, and if I'm talking too much, I'm sorry. So I apologize, but um, there's a nine versus four dynamic that we have so much in common. But um, the one thing that I've seen as a difference um, from me with fours is that I accidentally stand out and I don't like it. It's actually really uncomfortable for me to stand out sometimes. So I want to merge with other people to understand myself a little better. Whereas I feel like fours, they will feel uncomfortable settling in to that, to that, but they still are very, um, intuitive and very um, empathetic and understand just naturally how people feel. Um, whereas nines tend to um, feel, some some nines, not all nines, but some nines can feel very um, alone in the world. And so they try to understand everybody else in the process and by merging with others. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes total sense. For me, it's like, never it's never merging with the merging with oh. others. I actually can't relate to that. About the merging? Um, the merging with others is not something I can relate to because I've often had a very accurate idea of who I am, what, what my weaknesses are. I, I like to go right into the deep of the earth, see all the detritus, see all the hell in heaven, and then return back and merge with that, see which one I don't. Four to me is more like a saying of, you're finding out you're the witch rather than the Wicca. You're not, it's more bare bones. It's mm -hmm. less beautiful, actually. That's a very, that's also a very, like, a four wing three is way less likely to say what you just said than a four wing five. Like, gone. Fives are really good in that melancholy space, I think. Yes, I think, I mean, fives are very, like, depth oriented, just like fours. And so I think, like, you really going and like i think there's um fives are able to they really value like objectivity and like what you're talking about you're not necessarily looking for what benefits you the most you're looking for like the truth 
and that's very five. So I think <laughs> combined with the four, I don't know. That's what I, that's what I see. What I always realize about myself is, uh, though I do like, I don't like the attention at times, I can't help myself from putting myself <laughs> out there. I always have to make my objective. I have to make that sense of intelligence known. I, I feel <laughs> insignificant most of the time. There's a sense of comparison going a lot. Mm. And I often want to make everything I do very authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything yeah. I type, who I follow, who I... I often find it so frighteningly crippling. You know, like there's some, I think there's something to that even outside of like Enneagram. Um, I think that's a very like FI thing. I think FI can map onto Enneagram four pretty easily. Like I notice that um, like with different people in my life, like if I take a picture of something and it makes me think of someone or I share it with someone, I'm not going to also go send that picture to three other people. This picture is for you and it is special for you and no one else will see this. Like, and if I'm posting something on Instagram, let's say I make a post, that's also probably not a picture I've shared privately or directly with other people because it's for the masses or it's for just an expression, a general expression. It's very different. Like if I'm dealing with individuals, like, it's focused and it's special and it's been thought out kind of like how you're saying with the intention. Sometimes yeah. I don't think, I, I, sometimes I don't think things through before I post things. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, I think there can be that dabbled in there too. Do you find that's like a common thing? Does it feel good to just like randomly like boop? Such a, it depends. Actually, I have uh, I, I can relate to that in the sense that um, I have very I, I use social media in a very specific way. So Twitter is kind of like my stream of consciousness um, mm. where people will come and play with my ideas. But I know that on Facebook, people won't do that. People will come on to like um, like rant about how they feel about things or like judge or like pass a judgment. And I don't find that, I, I don't really care but I don't find it as fun. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to put something out on Facebook that matters a lot to me, they have to, um, I have to be really like, I don't really care what they're going to say about me, whatever. And yeah. so it's like put it up there. And then Instagram. Okay. I'm like a weird one. Instagram is um, my least favorite because people are so dang fake on it. It's just like, yeah, I, so I don't like Instagram. So Instagram is like my thing where I'm like, if I want to talk to the friends that I know that are only on Instagram, then I'll, like, mm, then you'll do it. I, I actually, I actually hated the stereotype of the. I actually hated the stereotype of the Instagram INFP poet I saw on Quora. I was reading and no. I find yeah. it so basic. I find it so saccharine. Saccharine's such a good word, dude. That's good. Well done. I. Oh, RJ's back! I'm so glad. Hey, RJ. <laughs> Charging cord. <laughs> So, like, yeah. w- <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> Hope I didn't miss much. <laughs> I guess it's time to go to our next question because RJ's <laughs> We all know about the saying, the INFJ door slam. So there's the INFP equivalent called the repulsion switch. So I'm wondering, have you guys experienced the INFP repulsion switch in a- any scenario before? And would you like to do uh, it? Plenty of times. <laughs> plenty of times. All the time. It's... <laughs> 
<laughs> this is our favorite pastime. No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard Mike. I want to hear from Mike. Do you experience the repulsion, sw repulsion switch? Infrequently. Like, I have a whole lot of patience for a whole lot of people for a very long time. Yeah. But um, I think the thing, I, the thing I have the hardest time with is willful ignorance. And when it goes on and on and on and on, I just run out of steam. And, uh, and I try not to ever be ugly about it, but I, I get kind of done. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What is willful, willful ignorance? Um, like, do you have a, a specific example or not like, not tell us who you, who did it, but like, like, how does it look to you? Well, uh, uh, well, I'm trying not to be too specific. Um, <laughs> it often uh, arises in the political sphere. Uh, people who like living in places of delusion and can't get out of it. So I have I have a certain amount of compassion for it. I just can't be around it. So I'm I'm kind of attributing it to like drawing boundaries to help myself stay sane sometimes. Mm, yeah. And and I go a very very long way before I say okay this is a boundary and I'm gonna just as kindly and compassionately as I can enforce my boundary and that means I won't get to talk to you very much anymore. Yeah, I mean that's how it is for me too. I, th I mean part of the the repulsion switch, I guess, uh, the reason why it's suddenly a switch is the ability to tolerate it for so long and have compassion and even identify with it on some level. Yes. It's reaching a point of the, uh, the water filled to the top and it just overflows. Yeah. Um, I've experienced it as um, that same way of like, I feel like I've, I have a lot of uh, extreme amount of patience and then suddenly, um, it can be very frustrating um, when when I've extended so much understanding and suddenly it's not given back. That can really um, that can be really upsetting to me. Um, in fact, it's like one of the worst feelings I've ever had, where it's just like, you know, I I've extended this and it's it's hard for me now to have to. It, it's it's almost like I I love I love the people so hard and so much, but it's. I need to set boundaries early, I've learned, because it's not fair to the other person to do that repulsion switch. Just like, you know what I mean? It's I, I don't I, I don't always think it's very fair if I haven't like been clear from the beginning and been honest with myself about what right. I can't handle because and that's something I've had to do a lot of internal work on. What can I what can I handle and what can't I? And right. accepting a certain amount of um, brokenness is important in that. I was just wondering if like part of the repulsion switch for INFPs is the repulsion of ourselves, like of letting it get so out of control. Like, why have we not done something? Why have we not tried to draw a boundary sooner? Why haven't we like spoken out and stood up for ourselves more in the beginning? And then it just like piles up. I don't know. Just I don't even think we know what we want at first until we've experienced it sometimes. Joyce, yeah. Or at least for me. Like what we just, just what was described just now, like how is that different than the door slam? Would you say, Joyce? Is so fairly similar in some way. May I? Sure, sure. You yeah. Can object. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Actually, no, I'm not. So I'll just go on. Um, I actually don't relate to the. I have a lot of patience, so I will. I'm actually snarling. I'm actually gritting my teeth these days when I see. 
certain political opinions that I just find um, ideologically, diametrically opposite to myself, actually. And um, the origin of that was, especially the origin of my, uh, for this era, started back mm -hmm. in 2008, nine, the early the earlier days of YouTube, where I used to get into arguments all the time with um, people who are in the shipping wars, a, a weird microcosm of what I'm trying to describe. But um, I, I, real, I realized that um, most people do not change their opinions online. 80, 90% of people will not. So I'm, I'm often very efficient at curating my own um, timeline and who's allowed, who's not allowed. I, I know what I want at this point. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's great. <laughs> yeah, damn. But in, in regards to the, in regards to repulsion switch, I, I think I described earlier, it's realizing that the artwork is really, I want to tear it to shreds. That's how mm -hmm. it is. I, I remember with the INFJ, um, I, I fell out with regretfully. She and I were both shocked that we were aiming daggers at each other at that point. Mm -hmm. Well, we were so nice to each other. And now we, I get to see that ugly side. And one of the things I said to her was, I actually like that you're so open with me about your feelings while you never have. Well, what? I like that she was very open about her instincts and feelings because she was the type of individual to hold a wound for so many years. And only when I said a certain thing where she revealed her side and she was afraid of showing that, I was like, why are you? I like that. Yeah. I, um, I've experienced this um, with introverted judging types. I don't know if maybe somebody can sum that up for me, is that they, they feel un uncomfortable in that space sometimes. Um, but Joyce, you, you, you know it where it's um, where there. A lot of the times it's like if, if it's FE related, they, they're afraid of upsetting people. Um, and if it's um, TE related, um, I, I know that if they don't say it the right way, they know they're going to get a bad reaction. So they'll hold back a lot. So, so um, cause they can be a little too harsh and then hurt feelings and they don't want to hurt their loved ones feelings. So they'll hold back until they can say it the exact perfect way. At least this is my experience I've had with them. And Joyce, I mean, you're the, you're the INFJ here. I don't want to speak Yeah. So it, I would explain my experience with like the door slam is when I do cut people off my life, I am like completely certain there's not a smidge of doubt that I want that person back in my life mm. in the sense that I don't, I don't door slam people often, but if I have chosen to do it, I, I don't have any hope of recovering back the relationship because, um, yeah, because it's kind of like I, I went through every consideration and now mm. I've considered that it's not worth it. But it would it? A lot. I would it? I mean, that's how I feel too. Like I don't go back very rarely. I I, I yeah. imagine all the ways after I start distancing myself from a person. I imagine all the ways like that it could possibly fix itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll stay in that headspace for a while. Um, but this is only like severe intimate relationships, but um, <sighs> that I've lost. That I will. I've, I've had to actually have people tell me like it's time to close that door, Erica you need to start imagining the life without this person or imagining this life without this experience yeah. that you're homesick for. So oh, homesick is such a good word. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, with, I don't know how, how like fluent we all are with MBTI terms and 
um, uh, language, but like, I feel like that's a very FISI loop thing to do. Yeah. I, I was in an FISI loop regarding my INFJ ex-friend about a few weeks ago and it turned it into its own art form and the song I was, I was listening to and the first thing I thought was her and how I could have made something different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. How do you get out of that? How did you get out of that, Sharia? I oh, haven't, really gotten, haven't really fully gotten out of it. I'm still, I'm still going through the the gamut of it at the moment, actually. But um, rather than getting out, it's just a sense of soberness, acceptance that we both hurt each other. We both found out a lot more about each other than we wanted to. We thought we were so similar, and yet we were very different, very different yeah. in the way we processed things. I also didn't have an embryonic understanding of MBTI at the time, so maybe I could have utilized that to explain my so you're, you're doing it again. You're, you're going over thinking. and like, maybe I could have made it better. I do that. You know, that's how I do it too. I relate. But I actually I actually enjoyed the amount of stimulation I got from the the pain that she gave me, the pain I gave her. And real, realizing that we weren't perfect. We, yeah. It was doomed from the beginning because of where things were. She was a broken individual and I was at a different stage in my life. Yeah. Just, just, four to me is a lot about soberness, a, a sense of acceptance, transcendence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really drawing to me the differences between like four and nine. Like fours are individualistic from head to toe, like from their speech choice, like they use the words like embryonic or- like Yeah, no I was like, oh them. my God. <laughs> this is very so good. Yeah. But it's and never for- but it's never for an act. I always feel like I have to know more or else I'm not worth it. I, I always feel like I have to be able to experiment with things, experiment yeah. with new definitions, use as metaphors. Yeah. That is not just for show. Yeah, I, I feel that too. I think I'm less inclined to do that in a group setting. It often feels like I'm just so, like something is just controlling something. I'm just so self-directed. Yeah. That's awesome. Like taking um, a, I'm like my own neurosurgeon. I can go into the depths of my heart and find out where I went wrong. I, I like feeling that sense of vulnerability. Oh, I yeah. love that. I think what also what you were saying about like uh, this being stimulated with the pain that you're going through is like such a freaking INFP thing. Like wanting that stimulation, even though it's from something bad, because so many people will feel those things and be like, mm -mm, bye, like I'm burying that or I don't want to unpack this. And I think INFPs like just want to dive in like they want to be there. I see myself more as a and I will this Sorry, is going a little bit too far, <laughs> but I see myself more as a morrissey done right or dylan klebold done right and we all know what type of individual he was who did you compare like do right who was the comparison a controversial comparison actually but and i'm quite sensitive about it especially oh. their how they are but more of a morrissey done right or dylan klebold done right we all know where they ended up so that mm. speaks for itself um by the way i love how you called erica like the FISI loop as homesickness because it's like re mm -hmm. revisiting the nostalgia of the SI with your emotions. Yeah. 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 I can I'll often realize that I could have done something right, better and that I, I sort of feel that sort of pain. But I know the INFJ will never feel that. 
Mm. I'm sorry. Are you guys making me laugh? <laughs> I, I kind of like, I like the um, knowing that I, it could have been different and it wasn't. I like that things are, and I think also, Shreya, you used the word organic earlier and I really like that. And I think that's what I'm trying to describe here too, is like, sometimes you have these really big pains or tragedies and I want them like as they are, as they happened is clearly like just what they were. And it wouldn't be the same if it wasn't. And I like to appreciate exactly how it happened and just be like, cool. So that's a chapter like on to the next. I like that. Right. I would also like to make a disclaimer that I don't necessarily think that any MBTI type in general is at fault for any falling out. I think it's always politically mm -hmm. motivated. I think it's, due to social conditioning. I think it's a difference of where somebody else is on status of life, mental health, a lot of these factors that admittedly a lot of people in the community ignore. They're, they're more willing to blame the type itself, which I find really off-putting. I agree yeah. with you. 100%. And to celebrate <laughs> RJ coming back, we will start with another question. <laughs> Yay, RJ, you're like always our little... <laughs> A transition. <laughs> okay, and here we go. Well, <laughs> I was so looking forward to getting to know RJ better, but he's just doing that. Oh, he's back. One moment. It's there we go. Joyce. <laughs> Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Wait, the Hot Show by any chance? No, I haven't. So I guess this brings us to our next question. Um, so I'm wondering how many of you are HSP? So that means highly sensitive person. And it turns out that studies say that introverts are more likely to be HSPs, but even extroverts can be. But I'm just wondering in general, do you consider yourself an HSP? Erica, yes. I, I quickly just want to say something before we really dive into like our personal experience of like, what I'm curious how we're each interpreting that. And I, I don't know, maybe there's literally like an objective definition, but I don't know if I relate to like what people, how people have talked about it. Like, so I'm just wondering, like Joyce, do you have like an objective description in front of you? Or I'm wondering if there's something like that. Um, so I don't I'm know. I'm not that skilled in what an HSP is, but I'd say that the word sensitive kind of gives it away. Like, do you feel like you're more sensitive than the average person to stimulus, to comments, to anything? <laughs> it can be as simple as like the weather affects you more than a normal person. It can be um, as complex as yeah. you um, you have like the terms, like whether or not you buy into the, the empath word, because a lot of people are um, skeptical about what that means. But um, the typical empath things where it's like when somebody is experiencing something, you feel that inside. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And, um, uh, like for one of the HSP thing that I have is um, like smells. I can't handle smells. Like I am very yeah. sensitive to smells in general and um, will either get like seriously bad headaches or all like um, gag and throw up um, randomly, even if it's just wow. a smell. Yeah, things like that. Um, I can't handle tight-fitting clothes, so like I look like a slob half the time because it makes me feel very super uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> and um, one of the uh, what was the other one I was going to say just now? Um, 
loud noises can uh, cause me serious anxiety. And this is one, uh, this is kind of an introvert quality, but I, it's like introvert, like on steroids almost, where it's like, if I have too fast of a lifestyle, I get migraines all the time. So, it, so things like that, where I, I, I learned that as a young kid, I could have bursts of those things and then big times away. So I had to detox from them basically. And now as an adult, I basically um, set my life around not having those experiences all the time now that I have control over my life and stuff. So. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, that is. I, I think I, I would say I relate to being a highly sensitive person. I guess I would say I do, but I, I don't feel like I, um, like it's something that I, that is a bad, a negative experience for no, me. I guess that's what I, yeah. Like I, I find that like, I'm also really sensitive to smells, but like, I love smelling things. So to me, yes. it's not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everything see, does seem um, exaggerated. And I sometimes like, I love it. Sometimes it can be annoying. Um, usually it's just like the data that's coming in and I don't pay it much mind. Yeah, but. I would say really, really quick that um, I, I mentioned this all in a very negative way. But what I would say is um, I've looked at it now as in, like now that I've, I'm able to like recognize when it bothers me and use them. Mm, for okay. So okay. Like, it's, yeah. it's actually um, it, it's like our greatest weaknesses are our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses sometimes. So like um, a super uh, productive person like my ISTJ husband, it can be a weakness oh. of his. Yeah, okay. like to like be too on the go that he's not like stopping to consider how everybody is doing, feeling, all that stuff. Like sometimes that can be a difficulty for him, but it doesn't mm -hmm. make. That's a weakness that he has to be aware of. For me, being um, whatever the highly sensitive person label is, is I'm very sensitive, but I've learned to use it. In, like if I tailor my life to be aware <sighs> of the things that cause me trouble, I can use it for good in other ways. So I, I, uh, I dawdle a lot. But it, some of my best thinking gets done when I dawdle. Like, yeah, there's value there. I can write a lot and I can um, talk to people and understand them for, you know, help understand them. I, you know, so it's you make time for that that other people maybe don't because of it. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally makes right. sense. Oh, yeah, and like the smell thing. I, I The smells, I, I, I have like positive smells like because it'll yeah. put me to sleep or, or it'll make it or right. trigger or it'll go creative um, expression. Like I, it, that's, it's really weird sometimes where it's like a simple smell will suddenly like yeah. set my brain on fire. So it's, yeah. it's a, a positive way. So, yeah. yeah it's Yay! always like, I've always <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> welcome oh, back, you're very, kid. you're very muffled. Yeah. Oh no. You guys <laughs> Are you underwater? You know, it's interesting because, like, even, I guess, identifying as an HSP, like, I I have a lot going on. Like, I don't relate to having a lot of downtime or quiet moments. I'm constantly. Well, I have kids, so yeah, oh, that's true. Them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm sure I would have a little bit more of a more kinesthetic life or whatever. <sighs> if I didn't have five kids, that makes me have to slow down quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't relate. To can't imagine issue. having, can't imagine having that much kids for myself personally. I, do you want? Do you want kids? Um, I haven't discounted it at all. It's just I need the right mind space and time for it. 
I wonder if it's like very for or just um, maybe FI to listen to something and wonder if you have it. So it's like Erica mentioned five kids and then um, Shreya automatically thought about her relationship with five kids. I think it's more FI. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really, yeah, I think it's an FI thing as well. It's an FI yeah. thing, I think, yeah. Yeah. Or, immediately I bounce. I think that's like <laughs> yeah. a difference, how you know you like, because I've personally wondered if I was an ENFP, I've had a lot of people be like, you're not an INFP. Yes. Yes. But yes. I do bounce. Yeah, girl, I, I can tell. Like, people or um, when I hear things and I'm taking in information or experiencing things, I definitely, my default more than any is to bounce it internally. Like, mm -hmm. I can also have a reaction of like, but generally I'm pinging internally that was the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's um, like the differentiator between like what makes something like FI or TI or FE or NTE. I um, would say. I, yeah, because I had an interview with Shannon yesterday from Objective Personality, the ENTJ, and she told me about how she doesn't know her own opinion about things, but she knows what other people would think about it. But yeah. so if you add, like asked her like... Yeah. So I asked her like what words she thinks that she is like, and she's like, I don't know, but I know what Dave would think I was automatically. <gasps> and that's something Ooh. I would be able to know too as an INFJ. I know what someone else would see me as, but I don't know how I see myself oh. as. Oh, can I say something really quick? Because that resonates. Me too. There was me too. I think it's a nine thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is something really crazy. Um, I, no, I'm not, like, not regarding that. Um, no, but I, this is, I think, an FI problem too, where it's like, I I uh I went to I was taking one of those stupid Facebook um like personality quizzes like which Apple are you or something stupid. <laughs> and, um, and I was just like wasting time and dawdling and then I took one of them and one of them was like how would your friends describe you and I was stuck I was legit oh. stuck and I, actually, I I took a screenshot of the the, the 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 question and asked one of my best friends how would you describe me. Because I wouldn't, I was like, I don't know how I come across me sometimes. Like, oh. But like, if they had asked me, what do you see yourself as? I would have been able to answer that really easily. So it was, it was like, <sighs> it was the specific phrasing. And that just like went off in my head. And I, I didn't even think about that at the time. But I, I legit was like, it's a stupid quiz, but I, it's making me think, how do you see me? <laughs> yeah, um, that's so interesting. Yeah. In regards to quizzes, in regards to quizzes, um, I have a general question, actually, one that doesn't get talked about. But when do you feel is appropriate age to for people to be tested on the MBTI? Because I don't feel that testing as a child is more of an inaccurate indicator, in my opinion. I mm -hmm. think so too. Yeah. I think the tests can be inaccurate in general, just if somebody doesn't have the self awareness. Um, especially, especially because um, well, another thing that also does not get discussed in the community is that. Uh, your de the development of the functions is very varied depending on what society you grew up in. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of mental health factors, there's societal factors, there's economic factors. So I was a lot more any 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 like when I was younger. I, I wouldn't sit still. I was a lot more demanding. So and I played music a lot. So I feel like I developed my NE and TE more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I relate to that. Hillary, what were you gonna say? I remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. One of the reasons I 
perk up a lot is because I, I tend to forget the questions. So I ha have yeah. to put it out there. Yes. Okay, wait, but I did just remember. Great. I was going to say that I feel I actually don't even know how to answer this, like, uh, who knows you, like, they know you versus you know you. I feel both ways. I've definitely had other people be like, oh, you're like this. Or like, oh, it's because you're this way. And I'm like, what? How do you, you see this? Like, you're actually telling me things. You observe things about me. And they have, like, qualities. <laughs> that um, makes me so anxious. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But, like, definitely other times, like, I, I feel more aware of how people perceive me. And mostly I perceive that depending on your relationship with me. Yeah. You're perceiving something different. And I want to know the commonalities. <laughs> but, that's interesting. <laughs> that's, why, mm -hmm. um, that's why I said, like, four plays into it, too. Like, I, th I do think it's an FI thing to know, like, your relationship with a certain, like, idea, like, um, five kids or, like, if you want to be this or something. But specifically, it compounds with the four. So if you have a four and your FI, you are doubling down on knowing your own mm -hmm. opinion on something. But if you're a nine with yeah. an FI, you're more it likely feels to conflicting. be conflicting. Yeah. Area. Yeah. yeah it um, took me a long time to figure out I was INFP because of that. And I would say that, like, with the five kids thing, like, um, you know, and that FI, I wanted to actually comment on that because um, for me, having five kids was my personal choice that I felt very strongly about. So whether or not I can do it or not is actually um, less important than the fact that I want to do it and that it's really and super important to me and um so it's like i'm i have that inside me um and it's so important to me that it's it's no longer like whether i can or can't do it anymore it's that i'm going to do it and i'm going to do it as best as i can um and uh so that's kind of like that fi value thing where it's like people whatever it is that you value that what what we call crusades or whatever it's really mm. what you value my cat is in the room whining at me so oh i um, hear yeah Okay, whatever. Um, uh, yeah, so for me, and I think every INFP will have that very specific cause that they can stand on ground about. So for me, having the five kids, and I started having kids really young, but it was my personal thing. It was very important to me. So no matter what per people were saying about like, you're being too, you're too young to do this, whatever, it did not matter to me. I knew I wanted to do it. I knew what my value was, and I did it. Um, and I fought really hard um, to make it happen and do do with as great of a job as I did do with it. So um, that's one of those things I wanted to say with the FI. I, I can understand an INFP wanting to be like, that's not for me. And I'd be like, yeah, good. You know? Yeah. So, right. It's just the strength of the desire is very FI. I think even if we all have different desires, but the, the thing that's the, um, the same across the board is that they're strong in all of us. It doesn't matter that they're different. I often wonder whether I'm a four with a nine fix, actually. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you could be like, there's the tri-type with the Enneagram. Yeah. yeah. Have, um, I'm nine, four, seven. Me too. So we're just kindred. What? <laughs> Except I think I'm nine, seven, four, but I mean, still. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting how, like, INFPs, the impulse with conversation is to explore themselves more. So, like, she is, yeah. like, making <laughs> fix. And I'm, like, this is an exploration chat. <laughs> right? yeah. It's so pee. <laughs> it, oh, I um, guess so. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so, Mike. <laughs> 
what are your thoughts on all of this? Um, well, clearly, as you can see, I, I seem to have need a lot of space to speak into because I'm way more comfortable writing. Yeah. Because uh, it's like my internal process is on uh, on the fly; I don't go very quickly. Um, um, well, a, di a difference. Well, I don't know if it's not a difference. It's just uh, an, another aspect. I, uh, you know how over the course of a lifetime you uh, get to junctures where you have an opportunity to do extra shadow work. Yes. Um, I am so thick in the shadow work of one's further along life that um, uh, sometimes I'm not sure how to how to speak it out because I'm I'm so keenly aware of my broken places right now and that's very valuable um yeah but it leaves me not quite knowing how to speak into a situation plus i just in a very nine-ish way i just l l love hearing about all y'all's experiences ah. um, so it's like i'm just listening being happy mike okay yeah, but i'm, you know, I'm so curious really about like Sorry, Erica. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say real quick because he's um my my I love talking about my husband. I do that all the time. Um, uh, my husband's a one wing nine, and he's very much like that, a lot like that. Um, where he likes to just sit and listen and consider everyone, you know, and and he so it, he, I understand that from his perspective of just like I don't need to insert myself if I am gonna insert myself. I need a lot of space for people to not like interrupt or there be. You know what I mean? It's yeah. more just like and he and he prefers writing too. So I just wanted to say that that that's very interesting. I think um, the one wing um, often mm -hmm. wants to make sure that they're saying it the right way, um, whatever it is that they're saying. Mm -hmm. But go on, Hillary. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, Oh wait, let's just take a moment and and see if we can hear RJ because he just sent a, yeah. a little text. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, good. Okay, I just yeah, saw I that pop up. Yay, I'm glad you used the chat. <laughs> I realized um, the little mic thing was just barely not in all the way and that's why I, I was muffled. Oh, okay. Awesome, great. We, we okay. got it solved. <laughs> So see perseverance. Our, this is you know perseverance. Yes, outside <laughs> perseverance. Uh, give up on stuff like this. Yes. <laughs> so RJ, what are your thoughts on this whole conversation? On the whole, <laughs> all of it. Well, what about shadow work? Kind of like what Mike was oh, saying. Like yeah. I'm kind of curious because now I'm thinking about like what have clearly we've all had our own like life paths. What have been like key moments for you guys in like really having to face something and do some intense shadow work? And did it feel like something that was your choice or did it feel like, oh crap, now I'm thrown into here and I really need to adapt and face this specific demon? Yeah, I mean, good question. I mean, you can tell by the gray in my hair, I'm, I'm one of the older ones in this group. Um, I don't so want to ask age, but I'm so curious, you guys. I'm gonna ask if you want to share. Please tell your ages. Uh, I'm, I'm 32. 26. 29. 44. I just had a decade birthday well along the timeline. <laughs> okay. 40. <laughs> That's fair. You don't have to answer. Oh, I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind telling you. You just might go. Why are you here? Oh, I no. just turned. I just turned 60. Cool. No, you're happy birthday. Oh, 
I've yeah, noticed online it, MBTI is a young person's game, so I, I assumed I would be the elder statesman of this group. So <laughs> I like this. I, guess, I like this thing. It sounds so nine of me. I'm just kidding. Just <laughs> I, love, I love that we're all different. Yeah, no, I I think that's yeah. excellent too. I, I mean, I I'm not ashamed of it. I um I but the question was, you know, shadow work. I uh so you know, so 44. Um, 40 was not too long ago. It's a big, you got some of you that are approaching 40 or probably feel it looming. Um, if you were like me, um, I, I felt it looming on my 30th birthday, you know, like, yeah, I love aging. I can't wait to keep getting older. It took, no, I mean, it took me to, I had to cross the threshold before I felt comfortable with it. Honestly. Mm. Um, but I, um, you asked it, was it a voluntary thing? Um, I, I think in many, many ways, no, not, it was not voluntary whatsoever. I've been in, I've been in talk therapy for about two years. Um, I did like an online therapy for like a year before that, that was mixed results. So I've been in like three years of therapy <laughs> and, and I would say that's been a big, you know, like, um, shadow work exercise, I would say. Right. Um, and but it started in my mid 30s um i mean the impetus to really dig in that i was sort of forced into it came i think in my mid 30s and it was when you know kids are little i got three little kids by that point uh career was just heating up you know and not slowing down i feel like down. i'm staring into my future right now okay go on uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look at the gray. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Uh, and I mean, and, and marriage. You know, I'm I'm still married. Was I'm married to the first person I've ever married. Um, she's an INFJ, by the way. Um, this is so common. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I never understood why. I, I never. I never she's a real why. one too. But, <laughs> yeah. <sorry. laughs> I I have I've got. 20 years or almost uh, going on 20 years of uh, data and, and yeah, she's, <laughs> she's INFJ. Um, but you know, there's some challenges there too. And so, you know, mid thirties thing, life is getting crazy. Marriage is not getting any easier. And I, I, um, I was really frustrated with, with my career in architecture is, a, a te the, the the practice mm -hmm. of architecture maybe not architecture itself but the practice is a te intense uh, uh, job and um, I I tried my best <laughs> and but the the artist and designer in me was really really um, struggling uh, to feel satisfied and um, I just launched into almost as like my own personal self therapy I just started writing and illustrating my own little stories. And it was yeah. only several years later that I thought, oh wait, this is shadow stuff. Like this is, this is about me. This isn't about these. Like I didn't. I was, that's how stupid I. Was. Like I didn't know that I was writing about myself. I, I really thought I was just coming up with stories. Can I? Can that that led into my therapy, which has been a lot of, a lot of dream work, a lot, uh, a lot of analysis and that kind of stuff. Um, I was wondering, um, when you guys say shadow work, um, can you be more specific, like? Um, I'm just trying to understand. Do you mean like the the functions we don't have in our normal stack? Is that what oh yeah, I get. I guess I purposely left it open ended just to kind of okay. see like big picture what people considered. I think um, I think shadow work. I think shadows are colored by those functions in a particular way. But I think I think of more in the union, you know, sense. Yeah. 
which is yes. okay. Just wanted your, to clarify your, your complexes, you know, like your the your all the all the, everything unconscious essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, I've got that. I, okay, I just wanted to clarify. So yeah. I knew. you know, and I don't think it's stupid, like to like not know that you were writing about yourself. I mean, that's very akin to like children playing, right? Mm -hmm. Which is very important. Yeah, I mean, it was. I didn't know. Like, I was familiar with Jung. I always liked Jung. I, I thought I'd study psychology in my, in my college. It was like my second choice, career wise. And so I always had an interest in it, and I always read Jung, you know, here and there, not a lot. But it wasn't until my end of my 30s that I really dug in deep, and that kind of led me into MBTI and all that kind of stuff. But um, mm -hmm. I, I was interested. Jung was born. Uh, he's a hundred years different. Uh, he was born. I'm a hundred years old. Uh, you know, my birthday. <laughs> he was born in 1875, I believe. Okay. And so, um, I was reading about his life, and I saw, you know, he had that break split up with with Freud, and he went into like sh the shadows for like ten years, and then reemerged. And he, but you know, the, if you've ever heard about the Red Book, um, that's essentially yes, his, yes. Uh, act of imaginations, which were essentially his deep dive into his own shadows. And I was I was looking at the dates, you know, like he started doing that like right in the, towards the end of his thirties, mid thirties. And I thought, oh, and that's when I started. I started. Oh, yeah, that's when I started working on these stories, and I started yeah. reading this stuff. And I thought, oh, yeah, this is. That's when I started to see the connection more, and, and, and it kind of blew my mind, really. Um, uh, what was in my head that I didn't know was there? Yeah, I, I love that. Um, I've started uh, in in my later years. I started to journal a lot more. Um, I used to journal a lot as a kid, but. Um, I started to journal in stories more because I could, um, yeah. yeah. And the other, the other, I don't know if this is shadow work um, or not. I'm just going to say it because this is what's on my mind um, mm -hmm. is um, I will objectively talk to feelings. Like I'll personify my feelings and I'll talk to them and give them a voice. Um, and so they no longer, I no longer like, this is me. I, I'm not sad. Sad has a voice. So sometimes it's almost poetic the way I talk to my feelings. Like, well, that's, um, see, that's, I guess that's why I thought of the red book. I, I got off track, but yeah. that, that's what I would call, that's what Jung would call active imagination, right? Mm -hmm. that okay. The, yes. The red book is. That's what I was, is, I was recognizing like, in what you were saying and I just yeah. wanted to like apply it to what I experienced. So I yeah. could, maybe we I mean, that's, that's like the de the textbook definition of what active imagination is, right? You take Okay, a, cool. You take a feeling and you personify it um, mm -hmm. and you, I, I relate to that. Sort of dis, you sort of just dis, disconnect from it. it it's, it's the, yeah. tran, you know, the transcendent function, you know, it's yes. The, yes, yes. By, by, by personifying it, by some symbolizing it. Um, yeah. You can and sort of combine it, functions into one. The, the archetypes sort of become multiple functions that you can look at. Yes. For fours, especially, for fours, especially um, symbol is a food of inner life. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will, I've, I've done it where it's like, I'll, um, let's say jealousy, which um, I don't feel like experience jealousy that much, thankfully, but um, I, I just use that as an example. Like, what is jealousy telling me today? Hello, jealousy. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome, Welcome into my life. Um, and For me, it's like been confusion a lot. You know, <laughs> like I am, yeah. confusion is, I am not confused. I am with confusion, you know, confusion is sort of right sitting next to me and yeah. I talk to confusion, you know, or I talk to uh, intimidation is a big one. Or, yeah. Hello, oh. intimidation. Who, why do you want to talk to me right now? Why, what, yeah. what, what are you bringing? Am I saying anxiety, worry, you know, the worriers, I have a little sketchbook just the other day that I did 
got it over here. Um, I, I just saw this picture of a guy sitting and and this sort of crowd of people around him. And I thought, you know, the, the idea of the warriors were sort of like kind of crowding around him. And then I thought, oh, yeah, I am worried about something, aren't I? And, you know, and then yeah. I started to talk to the warriors, which are, you know, I love that. shadows. I love yeah, that. I relate to that. I relate to that. I love that so much. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, just because this feels like this is similar work. Do you guys ever find yourself engrossed in like um, fiction and finding yourself through it? Because I, I feel that way. Or oh, like yeah. finding, not yourself, but like ex maybe um, even the sense of you can explore what's going on inside and it can like, come out and you can like express it better maybe. Or um, you can, you can like if, a, if somebody's going through a struggle in fiction, you can like relate that to your life and go oh that's a similar and then create um, a different ending in your mind of something you're struggling with because I that's something I work through on my own in my journal sometimes where I'm like I related to this person's struggle in this book and that's then what I, I'm like this is how it went in my life and I'd like to write a different ending so I can have my own closure that's the problem I have with you know journaling a little bit like I, I like it's not to to bad mouth journey I I, I journal myself yeah everyone journals you know and it's often a uh it's often a therapy thing that's a, a, um um recommended but journaling is pro is, can be problematic too because it's all consciousness you know it's all um it's all uh what your ego can grasp in the moment and it, it tends to churn around whereas telling stories or writing stories or listening to stories it it pulls up the unconscious you know it pulls that's up I mean. the yeah. things your, your consciousness can't get to and so I, yeah, I, like you were saying, I, I would rather than journal, I would rather write a story, yeah, any that's story what I mean. whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever story I write, whatever's in the back of my mind is going to kind of weave itself right into the, to, and then yes. I can see what's going on. But journaling, yes. I tend to like get anxious and I buckle down. Yeah, and journal that's what I mean. over and over. Yeah, that's yeah, I go through that. Journaling of like the stories that I'm experiencing or whatever's mm -hmm. going on in my brain, just and talk about it like in that way. Yeah. With me, um. In regards to jealousy, I will I will accept that I could be jealous. I, I will try to actually personify that in a sort of character. I would personify, I would actually know what I'm feeling and I would try to personify that in character stories. It's never um, finding myself through a story, finding, I always mm -hmm. have an acutely aware of certain things. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, I feel like an oddball because I don't, I like don't really, go out of my way to read fiction and I don't really relate to like finding myself through fiction. I think I That's probably, yeah, I oh, think okay. like, I don't, I used to like journal a lot more as a kid, just like you said, Erica. Yeah. Um, like I, and I, and I would also write fiction stories as a kid, like in my free time, like in school, for example, like I would just write story after story and they were all about fake stuff, things that weren't real in my life, but scenarios that I wanted. Okay. Um, that too. That too. Yeah. I, but I, I, as I like an adult, I, I just dreamed them constantly. Yeah. Dream. I was a mm. <laughs> daydreamed them. Mm. Yeah. Daydreaming was, um, uh, I, as a kid, it was a problem for me, but I love it now. I actually, like a problem. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Get that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say Hillary, uh, you said you're how old? Like 20, late twenties. Um, yeah, I turned 30 in July. Oh, okay. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I could say that I've went, I've gone through large chunks of my life where fiction reading was not, you know, other things just sort of like 
took the place of, uh, mm. I would go through patches where I would read fiction constantly, you know, and yeah. Yeah. The large patches yeah. where I wouldn't, you know, so now I could look back and say, you know what, when I was 28, 29, 30, I wasn't reading a lot of fiction, but it wasn't for five more years that suddenly fiction became, reading fiction became like a necessity. Suddenly. Right. Like I've definitely, yeah. in the last couple years, I did feel a very strong need to read fiction and not any fiction but fiction like i wanted something that i couldn't put down i wanted to completely immerse myself um yes and i read one book and then i was done like i was satisfied i got it and i was like okay back to nonfiction. but honestly like i just haven't read a lot as an adult i used to read um constantly as a kid and was like very um like a very good reader. <laughs> like I, it was like a best subject of mine in elementary school and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel more of a need to create and to share as an adult for some reason, like reading and quiet activities just have been lower on the priority list, I guess. Like I value them highly and I, I hope that I can get back into reading again, but it's just, it'll come later. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I think different, um, lifestyle that might um, contribute to that as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're all such individualists. Oh, we do it our own. <laughs> yeah. Like this is what I'm up to. Whatever. The next. It's all very. Yeah. Just like you said, our day of like seasons. Right. We all just yes. go through them all, and they're yeah. they're great. I think um, the seasons that I'm in um, that's different than my 20s, but I, I was just thinking about this the other day is um, it's knowing who I am very, knowing who I am very strongly now um, and then uh, being able to assert myself into the world and make choices that I feel that will support my future for good. Like in the 20s, I was a little bit more oh. scattered about that and more exploratory and I'm starting to feel a little more grounded. Um, in those right now because uh, because I, I've had so many life experiences that have been tragic or sad um, or uh. shake, shook, my, shook my life up so much that um, mm -hmm. and I've seen how they've resolved or haven't resolved which is a big one to accept um, and uh, just having to live in them for a while so it's like okay so that was a really crappy situation for me um, I've moved on from it I've grieved it now how do I want to move forward in my life now and what's yeah. important what's important to me what do i really want what do i have the energy for and how can i make it happen and i'm finally really grounded in that and yeah. kind of coming up with ways of making it um reality for good which is that's really so empowering yeah yeah <laughs> that's so great. It's, a good, it's a good space i i um I, I definitely like the 30s more than I like my 20s so far. Yeah, I, I, if I'm being real, I'm, it's just my, my 20s. I mean, it, it was wonderful. a mixed bag. <laughs> there was lots of love about my 20s, and it was a great time in my life. But it's this feeling, and when I turned 30, even though it's not, it's it does it feels like a bigger number than it is. When I turned 30, it felt like I was leaving childhood behind in some way. I don't know. Hmm. But then when I actually entered my 30s, I'm like, no, I'm actually able to... Um, have the confidence to go after the things that I really truly care about and really enjoy them that I wasn't feeling confident about in my twenties. So it's it's been a feeling <sighs> in that way. Okay. I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel I feel how you do about your twenties the way I feel now about my teeny for formative years actually because I was a lot more sheltered and I still wasn't out of my um, parents influence of religion and 
et cetera. Now I'm, now I'm a lot more willing to go out and put myself out there. And the, these are the makeup years, my formative years that I missed out actually. I feel a yeah, lot more confident actually, nowadays. That's there's awesome. This, there's this meme I made with another INFP that it's like um, uh, the third, like the late twenties, early thirties beyond for like, once you actually leave the 20, like leave like the twenties behind or as you're moving through them, it's like, is this youth, you know, like you're actually, <laughs> you're, you're, actually you're an old soul, you know, yeah. and now you're letting that part come out and assert itself a little bit more. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking right now, that's so true. Uh, I'm thinking about right now how like Shreya's FI is so prominent. So it's it's very easy to see like <laughs> in, yes. in the sense that when you're saying something about your life, Erica, about being 20, and then Shreya related it back to when she was 20. And then you see that like FI is always bringing it back to its relationship with being that at that time. So it was like when I was 20, I was feeling that and so I relate but the thing is like with the type 4 it just puts the FI on steroids so it's like even more noticeable because I'm like like Shreya is undeniably FI like it's so like distinct that like but like there are different yeah. flavors of FI too it doesn't have to be that like ultra distinct one but there's like this flavor profile of FI that's mm. here and it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah, so that brings me to my next question. What is like your biggest life challenge or a, a challenge you've went through and how did you overcome it? And what advice do you have for INFPs who might go through something like that? Mm, okay, I have one. Can I start? Yeah. Okay, we've briefly talked about this, but um, it kind of goes back to the FISI loop. Like I, so I was married. I honestly feel like I'm living, I'm like lifetime 2.0 right now. That's what it feels like. Um, and as also, <laughs> as someone who's a nine who like attaches to other people. Um, and you're, you're an SX dom, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of like intimacy happening. Um, Extreme relational intimacy. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it was like, very difficult to and also like um I married my high school sweetheart my middle school sweetheart like I'd known this person yeah. for so long and like grown up with them and um going from that to being on my own as an adult where I a lot of my experiences growing up were you know binded to this other person and so it was even like simple things of like how do I make a decision uh, what do I do in my spare time? What are my hobbies? All that. It was so overwhelming and it was hard to not get stuck in a loop of, okay, well maybe I could, maybe we'll get back together someday or like, you know, um, what, what do I need to do to fix this? And it's very just, I think other INFPs can struggle with that. And it's very freeing to be like, you have so many yous. You have so many lifetimes. You have so many things you can experience and um, that will hit you for the better. And like, why don't you just continue? Just, just write the next chapter. Just start it anywhere. Um, I think that's like a very inspiring thought for INFPs. It's like this version of you, you can love it and it can be part of you forever. But there are these other versions that you haven't explored yet. That can bring you so much. 
I like that. Yeah. That's a sweet message. <laughs> Thanks. It warms. I, I do um, think that is a. Uh, <laughs> well, that was a bad heart. <laughs> How do I'm you like, do a heart? <laughs> I can't do the mirror thing. This is challenging. Yeah, the mirror yeah. thing is like. And we're all like SE blind, right? So it's like I know we're like, what the hurt? Oh, yeah. Not like this. There. I, 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 about oh, SE blind. Or there's the uh, Korean part. I, I did not even recognize my my own soles and and my feet and hands are actually all pale until everybody else is pale until my formative years. Oh, makes sense. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> Um, um, I can go next if you want. I, um, yeah, we should go in order. Um, so something, I can't get specific, but um, I went through um, a period that I, um, I lost a whole, um, I went through a period where I, I had to completely uproot everything that I grew up in. Um, and that was extremely, um, it was what I put my hopes and dreams on. Um, and, uh, my family, what I wanted, my, um, and it had been something that I um, loved since I was a small child. And when I was a small child, I envisioned my life being mm. in this area, in this place, and it ended in a very painful and sour way. Um, and it, and it, everything was affected. My, um, my, my lifestyle, my family, my kids. <laughs> my um relationships like all my close relationships were changed um and then uh you know lost friends that i was was ex like you know the xx sx dom's relational um intimacy is very very strong and so in order to like you have to temper that sometimes and learn the lessons um and also a um a job i really loved like that was like my whole a job you said a job i loved uh -huh. a lot and um there was um, a betrayal aspect in it too so getting oh, fired mm -hmm. um so uh going through that like set me into like some severe mental health problems um i and then my husband <laughs> then my husband almost died so um he got sepsis out of nowhere like nine months after all this happened so basically there was a, a time in my life where um everything was shaken um mm -hmm. everything that i thought i could trust was suddenly on weird footing and I survived it because I'm quite adaptable, but it was like living in a twilight zone. And even though I had like done all the right things um, to fix it, like getting a healthier lifestyle, getting better friends, it was really, it's, and it's still very hard. You can hear the emotion in my voice to um, yeah. let go of that, that feeling of that's never gonna be back there again. All those hopes and dreams that I had since I was a little girl we're gone. You know, those relationships are over. Those things that I really trusted in all that, you know, and, um, and uh, so it's, it, there's a lot of, that was a very painful thing. And it took a lot, it took a lot of therapy. I actually did EMDR therapy um, to like retrain your brain. Um, because one of the things I was realizing is the, the trauma of it, whenever I would think or replay the memories, I was in like, um, first person mode. Like I was viewing it and I mm -hmm. like re-experience it over and over again. So I did EMDR therapy and I was starting to look at the memories objectively. So I could look at them and like, I was now in like a bird's eye view of the memory mm. instead of like re-experiencing it. Mm. So that's really something I recommend EMDR therapy because it was 
life-changing to, to realize that I could see my memories in a different way. So um, it was like, oh, and I have control over whether or not I'm in them or out of them. I can move that little girl inside that's scared or whatever, you know? And, wow. um, and to accept, like, and this actually happened just a couple of weeks ago because I still process things over and over and over and over again. And um, I had somebody tell me that you have to imagine slamming slamming this door mm-hmm. that you can't your thoughts go to this place anymore because yeah. um you keep wanting to fix it you keep wanting to fix it like if only i had not done this or if only i hadn't pushed this person this way or if only i had done this the job better i wouldn't have gotten fired which is so not true and i couldn't even like look at the positive memories without them being extremely painful and setting me off into these loops so i've been in the last few months finally getting to the point where it's like um I can look at these memory, look at the positive memories and feel so good about the things I have accomplished and bring them to the future with me because I'm re- reconciling like my present, yeah. with my, pre- my, my past with my present without it carrying all the baggage of like what I've lost and what I did wrong and all the things that hurt. And I can feel really good about the choices I'm making right now and keep that eye on what I want as opposed to what I didn't do right or what did mm. what would go wrong. Um, And that's been extremely helpful for me. And sometimes facing really, really harsh truths and just crying about letting yourself cry over it. Just like that person didn't really love me the way I thought they did. That's okay. That's okay. I I can live with that. Face it though. Don't stay in my head about it. Yeah. Facing it is really important. Face it and and live in it for a while and feel really, really, really crappy about it for a while. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to feel really crappy about something for a while. And then just say, okay, I felt like I'll give myself sometimes a day when things happen, when, when I'm triggered again and go, I'm going to feel really crappy today about it. I'm going to mm-hmm. do something I'm going to really let myself sit in. And then I set my boundary with my own brain because it's not just boundaries with people, it's boundaries with myself. Boundaries with my own brain. I'm going to train my thoughts like I train my toddler. Don't go over here. Don't open these doors. You are, it's not a safe place for you. Like if my mm-hmm. child is about to run off and jump in a pool, I'm going to say, no, 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 not that way, honey. So I talk to myself that way. We're not going mm. to open the door, Erica, because this is not, yeah. gonna, you know how this goes. This isn't going to help you. So um, that's, that would be some my, my own personal experiences. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Well, good. Does <laughs> anyone else want to share next? I don't know. I, uh, I'll say something. I, uh, I, I, I think I understood that, you know, part of Erica, your struggle was maybe parting ways with the religious group that you were part of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, it was there, yeah. uh, but um, that, I would say I relate to that a lot. Actually, I, that's part of my story as well. You know, uh, raised quite religious and, um, and, and liked it, uh, you know, of five kids, um, I like the, I, I like religion, by the way. Me too. Not, yeah. Yeah. And I'm fine if people don't like it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I grew up in one, you know, very distinct and very big part of my family culture. Um, I evolved, and even, and but then on top of that, I evolved the five siblings. I was just the church kid, you know. I don't know what it was, <laughs> you know. Like all my siblings, yeah, they could take it or leave it more. I mean, they were in it, out of it. Um, but I was the one that actually liked it, you know, for some weird reason. And um, my mom, I was raised, uh, 
she's an ISFP. Uh, yeah, so a really FI heavy uh, atmosphere wow. for religious upbringing. Uh, and, and my grandparents, her, her, her parents were a big, big part of my upbringing too. And they were, my grandfather was an ISFP and my grandmother was a ESFP. <laughs> so there, and they were, the, the tradition comes through them. You know, so it was a big, big, big part of our identity. And yeah, I think it was a similar thing. I'll go too many details, but you know, you get to a point where you have to realize, um, you start to see that they're being part of a collective is uh, <laughs> is a struggle, you know, and, and uh, the collective uh, protects itself more than protects individuals. To face, you know, because it it weaves into your whole. If you're FI and you are, you've been reared all your life on a collective, you know, in a very heavy collective oh. society, it uh, causes some really strong. Um, rifts inside and so yeah part of my struggle was uh get coming over that getting over that you know i was i've been doing that for 15 years now you know um i mean in in so it's very slow slow steps being able to trust your own fi when you come from a collective that mattered a lot to you mm -hmm. is extremely hard emotional work Ooh, yeah, the I'm concept of like not trusting your fi is interesting yeah, or or finding a place for it, you know, uh, mm. your FI, uh, which you don't, you know, until you see it. I, I didn't. Uh, I think that's why I really enjoyed getting to know MBTI and Jungian stuff. Is yeah, um, I felt it, but I didn't know how to identify what the where the, yes. the rift was happening. And once I could sort of visualize just on that functional level, it was just very helpful, you know. Um, and so it just helped to do some of the work. Uh, but so that was a big thing that I had to overcome was kind of rewrite, kind of re allowing my trusting myself to rewire. That's what therapy has been about for a long time. But um, yeah. But then also, uh, uh, Mary, I, my my wife was raised in the same, you know, and we were both yeah. together. My and, husband too. And, yeah. and and you know that's that's the world we were in when we came together. Um, and and now what? You know, but though fortunately uh, she's not too different. She doesn't see the world too differently than I do. So that's been a, a help. Yeah. Um, no. but, what do you do about your kids? All that kind of stuff. You know, because I, I I have to go back. I I want to rely on my memory. I want to rely on my history in in uh, terms of religious tradition. Um, and and now I get I look at my kids and I don't know what the hell did to tell them you know i i i mean i do but i it's i haven't sorted i still haven't started all it's very it's very deep stuff uh, and so that's a big struggle that i have uh, i've been overcoming but haven't totally overcome wow i love how introspective we all <laughs> yeah can i i have one more just quick thing like regarding functions that i think is like a really useful key for infps and like, I kind of think this for any type. I think the seventh function is, like, honestly a key to, like, leveling up. Um, so for, like, INFPs, that would be SE, extroverted yeah. sensing. <laughs> and I find, honestly, well, I'm mentioning it, too, because, like, a few of us have specifically said it, Shreya. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think, like, I realized in the last couple of years that I, like, really went out of my way to engage in it. And I seriously feel like it has um, really helped me flourish and get in touch with like, so like if we're talking about MBTI terms, like the ENFJ within, 
if that makes any sense. Like, um, for some reason, I think, I think engaging SE for INFPs, regardless of like where you are in life or what your personal like struggles are, I think it helps you really get in touch with your voice and the present moment. And also just like understanding that you can take up space in the world and you probably should. Yes. You know, it's interesting that the, from the functional standpoint, sorry, Mike, I'll let you go. You haven't been speaking. You were going to say something. Well, yeah. I can just affirm Hillary uh, there. I, th there's a James Joyce quote. I forget which story it is, but James something like Joyce. Mr. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Duffy lived just a short <laughs> distance out of his body. Or, uh, yeah. Ooh. Uh, and I, 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 spent, I spent almost my whole life like that. But, so I'm, I'm touching on what Hillary said about SE. Um, and, and that is in recent, in the recent four years, I've actually discovered that I, I actually can be an athlete. <gasps> um, I, I yeah. never, ever, 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 ever knew that before. Um, like in what way? Like uh, running or? Oh, well, I'll tell you specifically. Um, see, one thing, everything ties together. So it's like I've been sitting here. I don't know how to tell us. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I can focus on this one. Um, yeah. It's actually an INFJ friend who came into my life. Um, uh, almost nine years ago, and her perspective, her perspective on things, helped helped prepare me for uh, hearing Brene Brown the first time I heard Brene say, "You you cannot numb your roughly this. You cannot numb out your pain without also numbing out your joy." Mm. And I realized I had spent two decades numbed out and I, I could go into that, but I won't go into that now because I'm trying to stay focused. Um, but this, this INFJ friend was, provided me the impetus to realize I don't want to numb out the joy anymore because this matters too much to me. I'll do whatever it, I'll do whatever it takes to come back to wholeness and feeling. Um, so uh, one of her things is she discovered that she was, a phenomenal beast of an athlete, and, <laughs> and uh, I, I never—I I always saw, saw myself as completely and utterly clumsy, with with terrible, traumatic memories of junior high and high school physical education. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, but when she and her family had to move away, um, I just—it just came upon me uh, that I to, well, I, I got to visit them and. Uh, she and her husband had started a running program and I was so impressed at their discipline and it just came into my head when I got back home. So I just asked, uh, if, if I started a couch to 5k program, would that be okay? Cause then it would feel like we're maintaining our connection better. And she was like, great. So I started a running program. And then by that time she had moved on into CrossFit, which which scared the complete hell out of me and caused me to have to do a, a ton of shadow work. Uh, okay. But then, but now I've been at that nearly three years. Three. So the, the, I guess the point of this is to tie back to the SE. Mm -hmm. I am now at home in my body. Like I've never been before. Oh my God. Do you feel more grounded just in oh, yes. general daily existence? Absolutely. It's yeah, that's amazing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I can't even put it into words. Um, I, I'm here now. Almost that's all here. the time. 
awesome. Yeah. I love that. No, that's it. I, I bet we all have like similar and different stories around mm -hmm. the SE blindness. You know, I, like I mentioned, I, I was raised by three SE heavy, you know, parental figures. Yeah. Um, uh, and my mom, she let us, we were like feral little kids. We just wandered the neighborhood constantly. And, and uh, SE was a, I mean, I, I didn't obviously didn't see it in those terms back then, but I look back on it. SE was a heavy, heavy part of my upbringing. Um, and uh, I, I was, I was off everywhere all the time. And I even like really enjoyed athletics as a kid. I thought I was really fast runner. Yeah. Um, I ran uh, long distance in high school. I bet you a lot of INFPs run long distance. If you're yeah. taking a I, did I love running. Country. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I totally blew. And then I got into trail running as a twin in my twenties and blew out my knees. So now I just walk constantly, but I can yeah. walk. I can walk and walk. I can walk all day, every day. Yeah, in, I love walking. I love walking. Swimming yeah. and biking. Swimming and biking were my um, sweet things as a kid. Um, I did try. I my my sisters were in ballet, and um, I tried to do ballet, and that was not fun. That was not a good experience. Oh gosh! And not only is it just a very like SJ sport. I mean, it's just. I don't oh, know, like, good point. I don't know. If yeah. It's true or not, but it just. That's funny. Like it. Um, but it's not very perceivers don't, I don't know. That's not very perceiver for me. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy ballet, but, um, I did like, like fun dancing. That would be fun. Like if it was like free form, um, swimming and biking, I could bike and swim all day. That's what I, and that would make, and it would, I could feel and experience the world and be present in the world and um, still let my mind wander while I was doing those things, which was always yeah. so fun. That's the key. That's what I love about walking. My thoughts are yeah. never more free and clear. Never. When I'm walking. Yeah. There, Marcel Proust <sighs> has a great passage yeah. in Juan's way about, uh, it's the most INFP walking story you've ever heard. What is um, it called? Yeah, one's way. Marcel Proust, Swan, you know, in Search of Lost Time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The thing yeah. where he talks about walk, you know, his love of walking. I love that you read Proust. Oh my gosh, he's my favorite. Walking is my absolute favorite. Oh really? Yeah, I feel if, if you ever walking heard, is. If you ever heard uh, Virginia Woolf describe her feelings about Proust, it's somewhat. Similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She basically says, you know, reading Proust makes me want to kill myself, which is kind of. <laughs> dark because uh, of what she very did. Virginia Woolf. <laughs> she, God. she could never reach that level just depressed her to no end and I feel like I kind of I, I, I feel that actually myself. not that I want yeah, to yeah. yeah. saying like it almost makes me sad that I can't that I can't communicate so beautifully uh anyway sorry sidetracked you know right <laughs> walking yeah anyway Walking is what triggers symbolism, yeah. metaphors. Sorry, uh, Shreya, it's the key. To, it's the it's the key to unlocking everything, really. Totally. Walking. Walking is what creates all my stories. Mm -hmm. mm. Does like a certain um, does it matter where you're walking? Yeah, it does for me. <laughs> it yeah? does for me. Yeah. It does for me. Imagine okay, so where? Day, you know. Ooh, okay. Well, Shreya, like with the metaphors and all the like realizations that you come to while you're walking do you like what is the ideal environment for you oh yeah um about about that actually about a year ago i got more into um transcendentalism um i started reading a lot more henry david thoreau and um the book walden and i i, mm -hmm. I started realizing i want to live more in the woods the cottage life and oh, heart. <laughs> that heart. would be my ideal environment 
Okay, that's kind of what I was picturing, actually. Yeah. You know, I I struggled. Like I lived on the East Coast for a few years, and me too. It was so dense, and it was uh, just not enough nature. And I I struggled. I didn't really <laughs> enjoy walking back then. But now, yeah, you know, I live in the West. Now I live in, in in Utah, which is as far as nature goes, quite quite beautiful. And so. Um, I love, I mean, there's all kinds of canyons and things near me, and I can about the, have a dog too, so that helps. Whenever, about whenever, the East Coast, whenever, oh, about the East Coast, so, sorry. No, um, go on. I was about to mention another thing that helped me realize that last year was that I started getting more into passenger pigeons. One of the most oh. greatest things that ever lived on this earth. It was a biological hurricane. It was the, the aggregate of a passenger pigeon was. Um, one million to one billion birds in a flock and they lived over thousands of years but they were killed by hunters in the 18th and 19th century in the span of 80 years and that's what triggered my imagination a lot last year and made me realize mm -hmm. fight for animal rights a lot more and fight for what we lost one wow of, in fact um I can show you a simulation of a pass what a passenger pigeon flock would be like and yes it was, it was similar to seeing the solar or lunar eclipse every day or every week wow whoa is it all do they is it like a murmuration or is it a murmuration yeah. a murmuration yes nice. I, I, I actually made a post last year but I, I could link you guys in it after this is done yeah please do yeah that and that and my foray into um henry david thoreau and walden that's been the fulcrum of my life the past year and, mm. and realizing and realizing that we inhabited the same time space and fading to black, fading to grayscale, and imagine what those birds would have looked like today and how they would have reacted to humans and the pain and loss. It, right. it was a very feral, feral feeling. It's that sort of authenticity that I look for in everyday life. Yeah. <sighs> That's really beautiful. Uh, before I could mention one last thing, um, the passenger pigeons lived in the East Coast, so I often imagine what it would be like to move back to places like Ohio, right, where I was born, or places like um, Detroit. That's where the passenger pigeon flocks would have been like. And the kids of the 1860s were the last ones to see them. Often imagine yeah. what it would be like to travel back into that time. Yeah. And it, it makes me, yeah. Mm. Is or I'm sorry if you've already articulated this. If I've spaced out or something, I don't mean to offend. But is there a modern day equivalent? Um, yeah, it's called the band-tailed pigeon, like similar to the dodo. Um, the dodo's um common ancestor now is a Nicobar pigeon. But I started getting a lot more into um de-extinction programs and researching a lot into that last March, April. Started getting more books. It's often in the mood. Okay. Huh. That. I think every INFP has like yeah. some just deep, nerdy, geeky thing that is your thing, and it is so. I mean, that nerdy is like a high praise. Am I? It's like yeah. It's like what? It's like watching a any any in its pomp. It's like um watching a a football counterattack. Yeah. I'm not gonna call it soccer. It's like watching a complete counterattack or a complete um. A gazelle completely moving and galloping in full motion. It's very beautiful. Yeah, I can imagine. 
Yeah. And I, 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 really I see that. yeah, RJ is right. Every INFP I know has some rabbit hole there, like stuff. Jo yeah, it's just that we just, that we everybody just else is the most random thing, but to you, yeah. it is just your jam, man, and you just live it. <laughs> it's, I, I, I relate heavily to everything, um, mm -hmm. not just like how, how the passion and all the details that he knows about this thing, about the mm -hmm. birds. And I just think that's beautiful. It's, it's such a, a, that's such a testament to what F I N E and S I can do. And it's just, it's, and you know, they can become like really can become experts and then mm -hmm. it really right. affects our lives deeply. Yeah. So my question for you guys is where is your area of geeky expertness? <laughs> Gosh. Jack of all trades. Yeah, I know. That's like, how I feel. Right now, it's definitely, um, you know, like depth psychology has has, uh, has been a huge thing for me. But go, you know, like 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 um, archetypes and all that kind of stuff. You know, the archetypal psychology, the um, alchemy, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's been my nerdy deep dive of the last probably five or so years. Before that, it was right, you know, creative writing, storytelling. Uh, before that, it was architecture for a while. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a MBTI or personality style in general. Yeah. Yeah. Psychology, history, and some of mine. Um, I really, um, literature is a big one for me. Um, and I have specific sects of literature that I'm really obsessed with. Um, and, uh, then it can even go to silly, like dorky things like fandoms, like yeah. fandoms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I got lost, you know, like I could listen to every podcast about like this. It's a stupid show, but like, like I just did not like exactly like, remember lost the TV series. I mean, oh, yeah. like the, uh, I don't know. It's it, at that moment in time, it was super interesting to me. It wasn't like it's anything special, but yeah, the fandom thing. I think a lot of a lot of fan groups are are heavy in INFP. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so things like that. So it's, it can be even like the dorkiest things. Like one of the things that I fell down a rabbit hole just recently was the tutors. Just the tutor oh. history, yeah. and I just I couldn't get enough of it. And I would I would watch um, documentaries of like the same like king or queen over and over and over again like not the same documentaries but the, the documentaries about that same person just mm -hmm. to get all the little different things and then i would like like i would uh, look up every little inaccuracy and try to like pull out what they didn't know and what was opinion and fact and objectivity and um little things like that and and then i would want to like talk about it with people and then it's like and they're like, like uh-huh yeah uh-huh yeah. like, you, you, you aggressively care about this subject and like this, <laughs> this is so if you i don't know if you guys read um marie louise von franz her book uh, uh lectures on jungian typology um she you know she gives a little mm -hmm. you know she, she devotes a, a page or two to each of the types and the basic description and and in her particular description in that book you know that she devotes a lot you know if you consider how much how many words she devotes there's this spends a lot of time focusing on this aspect in particular, which is one that not many people tend to focus on with INFPs. The the she calls it the badger hole. You know, they tend to sit in their badger hole uh, and just uh, devour devour information. Uh, it just it's, it's it's the TE inferior, you know, that I think drives uh, a desire to just collect information 
and go as deeply with Ooh, same with f uh, si compared with si with that as well yeah for sure yeah and and like there's there's little things that um that like i said I, I like to say they're silly but they're really like genuinely important to me like a book one book i can read over and over again mm -hmm. trying to like peek like piece it apart i used to yeah, songs, yeah listen to them over and over and over again um the other thing yeah I same as a kid was um memorize shakespeare and just like oh, yeah. i would i would i would read it over and over again then i would yeah, yeah. Like, a, like a space cadet i was this like nine-year-old quoting shakespeare yeah walking around. yeah, um, yeah. I, I, like, what is this child <laughs> yeah I, I used to create code names i used to sing i used to draw yeah. So it's it's funny, like what where our brains go, and then suddenly yeah. something gets triggered. I get a weird, um, obsessive fascination with it, and then it's just all I think about for a while. So yeah, you said code name Shreya. Oh yeah, Shreya. Am I saying your name right, Shreya? Shreya, yeah. Shreya. Shreya. Um, you said you made code names. Yeah. Like what does that mean? Um, basically, basically acronyms and such like detect playing detective and making my own games etc etc yeah like inventing like a whole complete cosmos you know, with with names and all that sort of stuff and i love yeah. that <laughs> so yeah i used to i i when i was in like my pre-teen early teen years i would i created like my own hieroglyphics you know like yeah I, like a little Ooh. weird language that in my own like uh I wasn't disciplined uh, enough to learn about astrology, you know, like actually read it in the book. I was so in astrology five years ago. I just made it my own, you know, I was like, yeah. oh, I'll just make my own. And I would like, had this whole mythos, you know, with this random collection yeah. of that I saw. I, I, I thought I invented Cassiopeia. It wasn't called Cassiopeia. I don't <laughs> what it was until like, yeah. years later. <laughs> I had a whole alternate, like, alternate life that I pretended I had. It was really odd. Mm -hmm. Like it was like a whole world yeah. I created. I was I was this person in this uh, story, and I would act it out by myself when I was in my room alone. Yeah, me too. And, yeah. and then, me too. Me too. And, me too. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so I would do that, uh, and it was it was kind of oddball. So when people would like come and interrupt it, I would actually be quite annoyed. It was it was me like, too. You know, because it was it was like it, um, they were penetrating into something that was like this is my time for this and i'm in this right now so like take me out of it was really frustrating and what's really cute is uh i, I look back at those times and i'm like that was really that was a, that was a genuinely fun time for me that i could yeah. do that and, and there was a language i, cr I, I created <laughs> yeah. was a, i look back on my journals and i'm like cringe but it's, it is, it's yeah. uh, but it yeah. was, it was something i was genuinely trying to make happen yeah, I remember when I was a little kid, I'd go in the backyard and I would have like two hour long, like dreaming sessions where I would, you know, move around the backyard and each space was like a different room or different things happen. I had this whole like play that would unfold. And I remember once it was kind of similar to you, like I, I remember because it stuck in my memory. It's so embarrassing to me. Like I, I looked up and I saw the neighbor looking at, out the window at me. I was like, they've seen me in this space all, of the, all this whole time. And I must look like such an idiot, you know, like wandering around, but it felt like such a oh. truth. I had been in like deep in that world for like two hours. I, me too. <laughs> okay. I have a really funny story. Story that's a lot like that where you're not realizing and somebody's watching okay so i was like just driving we were driving in the car and i was sitting right next to the window and my we were parked um we're not parked we were at a stoplight and 
I was looking out the window and I was intense in dream world. Like I was in it. And and I look over and I see that I'm staring directly over at the guy next to us. And he was like an adult and I was little. And and he looks at me and smiles. And I was, you know how children kind of get like intimidated? Yeah. So I was like, he smiled and I was like, and I rolled up the window and he was like, (laughs) (laughs) rude. (laughs) I know, but it was like, I didn't realize I was looking at him and I was not ready for that social exchange. Um, it's like everybody's about needing to get get out of here. Then, yeah. yeah. A bit. A bit hey, sorry to like inter- awkwardly soon. But yeah, oh. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that. It's nice Me to too. talk to you guys. Yeah. yeah. Extra Same. Time. Thank you guys for coming on the show. You guys are a complete pleasure to talk to. Um, I love talking about these esoteric nerdy topics that you guys know a lot about. It, it really enriches <laughs> my my view of many different subjects. Now I, I feel like I, I know the INFP world and it's full of these terms that I have no idea what they mean. <laughs> <they're really> cool. <laughs> Yeah, like so, big thumbs up to you know this whole time together. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Thanks for yeah, this, this was like, awesome. Fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was so fun getting to know you all. Um, you guys are wonderful, and I have you guys all linked below. Whatever you provide me is all over there. And yes, uh, and thank you viewers for watching this entire this Wait, entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> you have the stamina of a. Very high stamina. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very creative, as you see now. (laughs) Joyce, you're a darling. (laughs) So, yeah. Yes, Um, agreed. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I'm sure you've enriched the viewers a lot. And thank you, viewers, for watching this far. You are very dedicated and wonderful. And bye, guys. (laughs) Bye. Nice to talk to everybody.